Thanks for listening to the Real Life Theology Podcast. My name is Chris. I have the privilege of being on the Renew team here. And today's a special day for our podcast because we are officially rolling out our content from our 2022 gathering track sessions. We are excited to share these sessions with you and we really hope that they give you some confidence and inspiration in your ministry to help you move forward in whatever your context looks like. We will be releasing two episodes a week on Tuesday and Thursday mornings. In this first session, Chad Harrington from Him Publications gives insight on what it looks like to publish your own books with the resources that you have. If you are at all interested in publishing your own content or books, This track session could be a great one to get some tangible tools to take away and use in whatever context you're in. Let's go ahead and jump into this first track session today. Thank you all for coming. This is is definitely probably different than what you might have expected to even see as a list of options. Publish your own books. I thought this was a conference about theology. Yes, it is. And that's what is in books. (laughs) Uh, A lot of books. um, We all have a theology, right? Whether you believe you have one or not, even atheists have a theology. It's a a theistic belief in not God. Or, as I've seen in progressives, they have rejected a God, but it's not necessarily the God. And in fact, um, I don't know if you've seen the documentary on Netflix called Come Sunday, about Carlton Pearson, a charismatic from California, who um, basically went off the deep end theologically and became a universalist. Well, what was interesting to me is I reflected on kind of a spiritually gruesome story. (laughs) I thought, he didn't reject the real God. He still believes in a God. And I thought his version of the Spirit speaking to him when God said, those um, children you're seeing on the TV who are starving to death are saved. And in fact, everyone is saved. That voice, he said, was the Spirit of God. But in fact, it was his own voice or the voice of the evil one. He had conflated God's voice with his own mixed in with the evil one, and he developed a new theology and thus rejected the God of the Bible. We all have a theology. And one of kind of one of my points that I, I'm making, um, and so I'm basically talking about publishing your own books. And it's like, okay, this is a conference about theology. Why are you talking about publishing your own books? And so I'm, I'm kind of looking at the slides here. The world is out contenting us. And I don't know if that's a word you can use. But since I'm in publishing, let's just go with it. It's the kind of simplest way for me to say the problem that books can solve. There's various mediums through which we can communicate various media. Books is one of them. There's YouTube. There's Snapchat. There's the Facebook. In Tennessee, we have Kroger, right? Well, if you've been here a long time, it's the Kroger's. There's the Facebook. There's the blog, the blogosphere. Millions of blogs published every day. Still, by the way. There's email. That's a medium. But I love how the author of Hebrews opens in Hebrews 1. He says, In many times and in many ways, 
Polyromos, polutropos in Greek. God has communicated throughout time. I'm paraphrasing. But now he has spoken to us through son. And I'm taking out the article because in Greek it makes a little bit more essence. It makes it more about the medium through which God communicated. He's communicated through prophets, through judges, and through various people in various times. But now son is the medium through which he has spoken. And when I was getting into publishing, actually when I was discerning a, a sense of call to write, I thought, man, are books really worth it? And you would think someone who's spent six and a half years in theological education, this would be, with the word biblical studies in the degree, this would be pretty simple knowledge. But then I realized, God wrote a book. <laughs> Publishing does have a pretty good precedence for Christians and disciples of Jesus. Because Bible, we all know, means book. Biblos. So, the world is... The world is publishing at an unprecedented rate content in the various mediums. And one of the most powerful mediums that transcends time and space is book publishing. Every single day, 10,000 new books are published. <laughs> Every day. So when I say the world is out-contenting us, that'll probably always be true to a limited degree because there's more of them than there are of us. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't play the game. And in fact, I think we should play the game. So um, as disciples of Jesus, some of you or some of the leaders that you're connected with have a burden to write a specific message. Has anyone woken up in the middle of the night? Be like, I gotta write that down. And you wake up and you're like, hey, that was pretty good. How did I think of that at 2 a.m.? Or if you're like me, sometimes you're like, what was I thinking? There's a burden to write that some of us have. And I believe that comes from God. It, well, it, at least it can. I have that burden and I've had it for a long, long time. And so this, this really is a pretty niche sort of session, but if you're here, then you're, you read the description, it's exactly what it's about, it's about publishing your own books. So um, I'm just kind of going through the problem, okay? The world is out-contenting us in the sense of they're producing more content than we are. Now, we should, we should publish content because God is a publisher. In the KJV in Isaiah it says, and then God published the gospel. Um, I love that. And, and Jesus picks up that, that baton, right? And, and that he was the published incarnate message of God, in a sense. So, and then you see in the gospel of John, and Jesus did many things. We don't have time and space to write them, but you could fill a world full of books. And a friend of mine says, and those books should be written. So when I talk about the world out-contenting us, I'm, I'm basically saying that matters, but it also doesn't matter. God, I think, wants some of us to publish books. And maybe more than you might have 
previously known. What's amazing is now we can publish books using technology in a way that's unprecedented. I think what's happened in the 21st century over the last 20 years through print-on-demand books is as revolutionary as Gutenberg's press was hundreds of years ago. Did you know that in Laverne, Tennessee, not too far down the highway, there's a, a shop called Ingram? Not too far from Amazon, by the way. Those competitors tend to cluster. I toured Ingram a couple of weeks ago and looked at their HP 250s. Each printer cost millions of dollars because it can print 500 feet of book text paper every, every minute. They can print 20,000 different books every eight hours. When I say different books, I don't mean 20,000 of the same book. I mean literally one book of one, by one author followed by another book with a different trim size by another in eight hours, 20,000. The guy told me 50,000, but I did some of the math, and I was like, I'm not sure that he knows. It was at least 20. That's the conservative <laughs> estimate. Yeah, I was like, I saw the machines. It's incredible. They have seven of those around the world, seven of the shops. So they have 11 of these multi-million dollar printers in Laverne in one roof, and they have seven of those roofs, those buildings around the world. One is north of London. One is in Melbourne. One is in the United Arab Emirates in the Middle East. And there are three, and then one's in France, and there are three in the United States. That's in addition to what Amazon can do. It's called print on demand. And when someone orders it on Amazon, it sends a signal to preloaded content from the publisher to print that one book. It's, it's printed after you order it, and then it's shipped to you the next day or the next couple of days around the world. It's literally phenomenal. They can do that with hardback. They can do that with hardback with a dust jacket as of the pandemic. So what we have at our fingertips is incredible. You, <laughs> so here's, here's part of the problem. It's like, okay, wow, that's a cool product process, but how do you get a book worth reading, right? You can put lipstick on it, but it could still be ugly. <clears throat> so what you want as a Christian, right, is beautiful content. We don't want to ugly the gospel up <laughs> with, our, with, our, um, with something that's not worthy of the king of the universe, right? And so I, for me, I go content first when it comes to book publishing. We, we, I'll show you some of the books we've done, but, but I always start with, is this, I always, sometimes I'm not going to let myself be the judge, but when asked, I say, is this worth publishing and how can we make it the best it can be? So the first thing to do is say, what, okay, what is this burden and the unique message you have or the unique, unique message or methodology your church or your organization has? But the problem is, is we, you don't necessarily know how to edit that should say publish and or polish. Yeah, that that sounds good. And present present your material in book format. Just like anything else, you need professional help to make a professional product. And you can tell when a book has been self-published, right? And so, um, but there's there are professional editors out there, 
professional designers and and people who can help you create a book worth publishing on the editing side and on the formatting and design and all that. It's called the packaging. And when you look at a book, you really do judge it by its cover. Let's be honest. These are all books that my company is, has done. Um, some with Renew, some independent, some churches. A New Heart, for example, you can kind of see that on the right side. We did that for Fellowship Bible Church here in, in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, some have been on the business side. Some have been on the publicity side. and Some have been kids' books and spiritual book, all, kind of across the board. But when you look at a book, it needs to represent the brand of the book. I think of each book as a, a micro-business. You need a great title, subtitle, look and feel. So what I'm suggesting in this session is, is that you can create an in-house book publishing imprint to write and publish books to renew the church. Now, I'm the kind of guy, when my teachers in school said, here's your assigned book, you should read it. I took them kind of literally. Every grade, every book, and every page. I literally read every book, every page of every book ever assigned through grad school with no exceptions that I'm aware of. And then I realized, that's kind of weird. <laughs> um, I'm a book guy, okay? What churches can do, or if you're not necessarily with a, or an organization, what you can do now is incredible. You can create your own imprint and publish your own books, and no one can stop you. Now, you need to, get, <laughs> you need to figure the legal thing out. You need to, you need to get good content, but you can do it. You could do a terrible job of it like this afternoon. You could still throw it together, right? Like, this is possible. Um, and that's what I'm suggesting. I gave you some of these stats. Yes, sir. The question is, what do I mean by imprint? So, yeah, yeah, great question. So, a publisher, say um, HarperCollins Publishers, is one of the big five um, publishers in the world. They have an imprint called Zondervan. An imprint is a specific brand of the publisher. Or it can be just, it's, it's almost like a stamp of what the brand is. So, for example, Renew has a publishing imprint. Um, so there's kind of different ways to frame that. But the idea is you can, like, let's say you have a church logo or an organization and a name. Like, Lion shares an organization, they make disciples. Well, that's also the name of their imprint. So they publish books, and, and we help them. Uh, Renew does the same thing. And so the idea is that one of the ways that we can shine light on the glory of God through our unique gifting and platform is to publish books, and that can actually help renew the church. The reason I kind of brought up how much I read, I've read in my life is because books, God has used books to change my life. Number one, the New Testament. <laughs> when I was in eighth grade, our youth minister at church, Grant Howard, challenged me and two other guys in the youth group hey, you guys should read the New Testament in a year. Two years later, I was like, that was a good idea. <laughs> Changed my life. Jesus did that? Really? He said that? Books can change people's lives because God sends those little missionaries out in all sorts of places, nooks and crannies. So... The problem is only 7% of all books sell more than 50 copies. 
and only 47% of Americans buy books. And those who do buy books only buy five or six books a year. So the question is, how do you make that graphic look better? How can you make your book stand out? That's one of the books that we've traditionally published. So I want to make an argument that I'm, that I'm going to use to answer the question, why write? Number one is writing clarifies your thinking. You guys tracking with me? So the idea is you need to, what, what is actually going to make your book stand out? Because so many people, so many books are published and so few people actually read books. What is going to make your book worth reading and worth spending the time and money to write? So the question is why write at the beginning? It clarifies your thinking. I wrote a book called The Revolutionary Disciple with Jim Putman. Spent three years herding cats. The cats being named Jim Putman. Now he, he's a great thinker. To harness that kind of powerhouse of a th thought producer was challenging, right? But it's also challenging reining in my own thought and putting them on paper. And I can only do 272 pages. I had to trim that thing down. It was still a big book. Clarif writing clarifies your thinking. And Jordan Peterson says, if you can write and speak, you're unstoppable. Learning to write itself is valuable because it clarifies your thinking. Even if no one reads it, it's still valuable because you are now thinking clearer. Number two is it, it leverages the unique expression of the timeless messages God has worked into your heart. Remember N.T. Wright was, was speaking about the work of a theologian. And he said the work of a theologian is to translate the timeless messages of God or the timeless message of God in its multifaceted variations for each generation. And I thought, then I've got a place in the world. It's like, haven't all the books been written? And in fact, when I wrote the book, The Revolutionary Disciple, Walking Humbly with Jesus in Every Area of Life, with Jim, before we actually wrote it, I said, Jim, people have already written on humility. Like the book Humility by Andrew Murray or, you know, Watchman Knees, um, Spiritual Authority, you know, um, and then K.P. Yohannan's book Touching Godliness, terrible title, terrible cover, pretty good book. Like, how did that sell? <laughs> the Holy Spirit works in miraculous ways. People have already written it. Why would we? And he said, because... We, people will listen to us who may not listen to them. Which, by the way, is not arrogant to say. It might actually just be true, by the way. In other words, we each might have a unique expression of the message of God's timeless truth that we need to communicate for, whether it's our generation or just our context, our voice, our platform. We can leverage that for the gospel. Number three is, um, why write? It's a burden that we carry with us. I'm really glad that I finished that book. Now, I had to finish it during the pandemic, so it became a heavier burden than I wanted to bear. But it was a burden. My dad said, Chad, will you write this book with Jim? And I said, oh, that's such a burden. <laughs> um, no, there's... 
for some of it, you know what I'm talking about. I don't really have to explain it. It's like, I got to write it. And a lot of the authors we work with, it is a burden. There was a, there's one man, he's a, a pilot um, with a, a well-known airline. And his whole career has been with this airline. And he knew the founder of the airline. And, and he had a, a, just a pile of stories of the founder with the pilots. Really funny stories. Some a little crass. I mean, it was just, but they were real and they were, they were incredible. And he's like, I've got to write it for years. And he just, he's like, I think about it. I'll wake up in the morning and I'm thinking about it. It's like, okay, man, it's a burden. How much more so with the fantasy novel that communicates the gospel in a way that, that, that you've seen for years? And you feel like, man, I want to be like C.S. Lewis. Have you, you got to do it. Even if it's terrible, at least you'll think clearer. <laughs> it's a burden. So number four is in the medium of books, which shows permanence, we can signify importance. Let me say that again. The medium of books says this message should be permanent in the sense of it's now physical not just audio, digital file, but it's permanent. <laughs> I guess there could be book burnings. But the fact that we're concrete, monumental, we're putting into the concrete something that says, this is important. So why write? Because what you have is important. I can now, like when I'm discipling guys or even ladies, if they're really struggling with pride or something, I can be like, well, I got that mastered, so let me, no. I can say, hey, here's my journey. Go read this book. And if they don't read it, it just proves my point. But seriously, it can save time when you're discipling people. Go read this book. What do you mean? Yeah, I wrote it down because it's really important. Number five, books change lives. And you can, you can do that. Books are a little missionaries. I went to the Christian Product Expo in Lexington a couple months ago. And it was really cool because these bookstores, there's about 1,500 independent, well, 15, I don't know if they're all independent, but 1,500 Christian bookstores in the United States. And it was really cool because they, it was a product expo. Like everyone came there to buy Christian products. Now some of it was like, like 40% of it was like gifts and jewelry and stuff like that. 40% of it was books, and I think 20% was just Bibles. So, But they were excited because they're frontline workers in bookstores, and some people will go into a bookstore who won't go into a church. And so I don't remember if it was them or me saying it, which is, makes it's kind of funny to say that, but there was this general sense of we are helping send these little missionaries called books out into the world, and God can use them. Books change lives. So that's the why. What about the what? What can you write? What can you write? You can write small group curriculum. So if you're thinking, okay, what, what are the possibilities here? You could write small group curriculum. Ben, ben Sobels and Bill Hull came together to write a book called The Discipleship Gospel. And then they did a curriculum version of that book called The Discipleship Gospel Workbook. It's 32 pages. And it guides people through the Gospel of Mark. It can be very simple and short. And in fact, that book has sold decently well because it 
it uniquely puts the text and the curriculum back on Scripture. But people in America like to have, and, and beyond, I would say, like to have something they can hold and come together. Let's, let, oh, we have a book to go through. <laughs> oh, that's sending us to the Gospel of Mark. Fine, okay. You could do any sorts of small group curriculum. You could do sermon series material for a church-wide series. A lot of preachers who are usually well-known will take a sermon series and make a book out of it, which is a great idea. You could do that. If you have something worth publishing, I would say, you, you, you could do that. Anyone could do it, but maybe you should if you've got a great sermon series and then other churches could use it. Then you could do it every five years at your church if it's that important, and then people could read it. You could take your intro material, like uh, the, hey, this is our church material, and put that into a book form. In fact, that's one of the ideas that we're thinking about for churches, is, is helping churches explain who they are in a book format. The, you know, at our church, we call it Check Us Out. <laughs> check Us Out, which is a funny thing to say from the stage at a church. Come to Check Us Out. You just got to throw one hip to the side, and then people come. But you could put that into book form if you don't want to throw your hip to the side. Just shortcut everything and don't embarrass yourself. Um, you could do content unique to your area. What if you're in northern Idaho, like Jim Putman is, or you're in Mexico, like our brother here is, and there's a unique way of contextualizing a discipleship methodology or a specific, in Africa, theology of... Uh, of demons that the people need and no one's written it because not a lot of writers are from Sierra Leone. You know, um, or your certain network or sphere of influence. What if your book is only for 100 people but those 100 people will influence 100,000 and by you writing it down you change your sphere of influence. Books for the broader body of Christ. I would love to see more great novelists. And those are really easy to format, by the way. <laughs> you can crank those things out, man. So those are, those are just some ideas. I mean, really, the sky's the limit. They can be as short as 24 pages. And you can do print-on-demand through Amazon. They can be as large as 700 pages. But if you do hardback, it has to be in the 500s. How do you publish a book? First thing you got to do is write it. Create a one-pager that contains the title, the subtitle, the premise of the book in basically one to three sentences, the features, advantages, and benefits of your book. This is a one-pager, by the way. The audience and the audience's motivation for reading your content, and the book comparisons, if you're to look on Amazon, what's like it. Let me save you some time and heartache. Before you go writing anything, you can write whatever you want. Before you write a whole book, get your outline done, summarize each chapter in a paragraph, and then create an annotated outline for each chapter. Rework it a lot, and then write your book. That will save you weeks, months, or years depending on yourself. <laughs> um, I, I took three years. Now, I had a full-time job, and I wrote on the side, but it took me three years to write The Revolutionary Disciple. 
with Jim Putman. And so it is more complicated to co-author, by the way. I would just say it takes double the amount of time. It's not faster, it takes longer. <laughs> um, and then write a sample chapter or two, get feedback, then write the rest of the book. And by that point, it's actually pretty simple. If you've done that well, and, and there are author coaches to help you do all those things, but once you do, it's, it's doing the high-level thinking at the beginning is really important because then you know exactly why you're writing, what you're writing, and how to write it all out. And then you finish the book. Then you just write it. You could transcribe. You could do the audio and get it transcribed. That's uh, it's tough for the editing, but it's still possible. If you're like, man, I, I I'm a preacher. I I'm a speaker. Take your talks. Let's say it's a sermon series. Transcribe them and start that way. Then re-engineer it and maybe rewrite it. Or if you're a great speaker, it's it's there. Number two is, um, let me see here. Yes. Get editing, professional book editing help. 47%, let's see, what's the data? 58% of amateur writers get professional book editing help, but it's more like 75% of successful authors who make 60,000 or more from books get professional book editing help. So that's kind of on the financial side, but just practically speaking, the the clearest demarcation that you have self-published your book is that it's got errors in it. And you're like, oh my goodness. Self-published. You don't want people thinking that. There's four levels of editing. By the way, if you go to youpublish.com slash blog, youpublish.com slash blog, these are explained in detail under the what we do for you blog. But there's four levels of editing. Developmental editing is is... It comes when you wrote the first draft. Um, and that's really high level. Macro, and that's chapter level. Macro editing is, is when you've got all the chapters in place, they're all in the right order, and they're, they're all there, and, and there's not any more chapters that need to be written. You do macro editing, which is really making sure the paragraph transitions work and the intros are all there. Making sure that all the paragraphs are there and in the right order. Copy editing is sentence level editing. And um, that's... That's often what, that's usually what people mean when they say, I need an editor. Those upper two echelons of ed editing are really important, though, because of the concepts, themes, and development of your actual substance. Once you get to copy editing, you're just making it a little bit more polished. If the analogy is building a house, copy editing is really... Um, installing the hardware and putting up the drywall. The walls are not gonna change. The windows, are not, you're just making it look a lot better. And then proofreading is the sanding and painting. And that's word level corrections. At that point, you're just making sure it's error free. So those are the four levels of editing and you need, I believe every book needs all of them. Um, and investing in, an, uh, in a good professional book editor is worth it because of the integrity of the book. You're grow as you are edited, you are growing as a person and as a disciple and thinker, communicator. And then you're investing in the reader experience. When you read a really well done book, people fly through it in a good way. And it's it it 
it's kind of like what they tell news anchors. They say, don't dress up too much and don't d- dress down too much because you'll distract people. You don't want to be flowery, you know? Like apparently when, um, back in the day when they wrote, Hunch- I forget who the author is, but who wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame, authors got paid per word. And so there was a lot of extra words. I've heard it was said. <laughs> um, you don't need to add too much. You need to make it exactly and only what it should be. And that takes professional editing. It must require that because it is a unique skill. So uh, then the design process, and this is really where you need help because there's graphic designers out there, but then there's graphic designers who know how to design a book. And it is a unique graphic design skill. Um, and that's one of the biggest barriers that we come across. People are like, I, my friend's a graphic designer. I'm like, okay. Yeah? I mean, I, me too. Like, <laughs> I can use Photoshop too, but that doesn't mean I should do my own book. Yeah, the question is, am, am I talking about designing the cover or the text as well? And I do mean all of it. So I just, it's all design. It, but it's like a brand. So we brand the interior of books to match the cover with the fonts and the layout and the feel. Um, so good typesetting is basically like a good arrangement of a room, you know, like interior. We actually call it interior design <laughs> in a book. So um, then once you get the cover design, and by the way, the trim size matters. It needs to look and the size needs to be like other books people are used to. Otherwise, it's like, why is this eight and a half by 11? Did they print it off at Kinko's? It's like, yeah, they actually probably did. <laughs> Um, you know, you, you should find the muse of your book. It's like, I want my book to be like that book. And make your book 70% like that book in terms of typeface, trim size, length, style. Because if you go more than 70% different, um, Joel Beale, by the way, talks about this in A People's Guide to Publishing. If you go more than 70% different, you're like, oh, I'm only going to do the font, type font in the... People would be like, this is not what I'm used to, and they dismiss it. There's a reason that that book is done well and people read it. So you should be humble enough to say, I'm going to make mine at least somewhat, mostly like that. Anyway, then publishing the book. Um, you can self-publish the book. You can, okay, I'm getting close to the end. You can self-publish a book. You can get a traditional publisher. Or... You can do self-publishing with help. So a lot of people want to get published by a traditional publisher. And by the way, that's possible. It's unlikely, just purely um, if you look at the odds. I won't say it's unlikely like generically. Like maybe that's what you should do. And you, if you can get an agent, then you're, you know, that's, that's the step. You don't go directly to the publisher. You have to get an agent to get a big book publishing deal. Gen- almost always. This is a, a picture of Julie Durler. She self-published this book called She Had No Regrets. Jeff, her husband, I don't know if she's here, but Jeff, her husband, is here. She's here? He, yeah. Jeff, her husband, is here. And they memorialized their daughter, who passed when she was 16 in a car accident. This incredible artist, who took that picture, by the way, on the front cover of the book. Kayla is uh, her mom's name. Um, or, or sorry, Kayla is the daughter's name. Kayla would write in her journals and she created 
like a taxonomy through symbols for different things in her journals. And her mother, Julie, painstakingly went through hours and worked with us to put all of her like drawings and journals into a cohesive book and it's called She Had No Regrets. And this this girl is amazing. I've never met her, but just seeing what kind of person she was by 16. And her mom published this book. They created an imprint because they're going to do more. But she's holding that book. Um, Man, that was a crazy experience because the year that... (laughs) The year that she did that book was the year that we had a stillborn daughter named Catherine. And I, I experienced the Lord working through, like, that was crazy that we did that the year that our daughter was stillborn. So that, that book's special to me. Um, that got more emotional. <laughs> this is about publishing. <laughs> you can self-publish a book. <laughs> um, you know, this stuff is important. Some of this is, like, she memorialized her daughter, you know, I haven't had the guts to read the whole thing yet. We, I was focused on getting it done, but, um, you know, the, there's all sorts of books you can do. Um, and then what's cool is through Amazon, you can list it around the world and you can print author copies at a very reasonable rate. Let's say for your church, for your, if you just wanted it for your family as a legacy piece. I mean... You could do it for Fayetteville, Tennessee. Who's from Fayetteville? Yeah. You, it could be a book just for Fayetteville, man. So you could do all sorts of stuff. But then we said a reasonable rate, and it's kind of a, let's say, I don't know, 175-page yep. paperback. That's going to be about, a 160-page book will be about $2.77, if my memory's right. Okay. And you could order just one of them. You don't have to keep inventory. And then the next day, you could order 10 of them. It's, it's nuts. So it's, it's called print on demand. And as the author, you have the author at cost rate. So um, this is kind of a look at, here's one book we did called Dying to Restart by Greg Wines and Dan Turner. Really cool book, by the way, about letting your church, if it's dying, just let it die and restart it. But we were able to, there's some of our editing work. There's some of the interior design work that we did. And this is kind of a showcase. They, <laughs> my graphic designer did a great job on the cover. I just happened to be the author of it. So I was like, can we do a different book? But I was like, that one looks so good. <laughs> so we left it at the front. But um, those are books that we've done. And they just, man, it's like, I want to read that. And I wrote it. <laughs> it's just so nice to hold. Um, the idea is that you can publish... You can publish, and you can leverage it to renew the church in all sorts of ways. And so those are some examples of our our books. What we do is we come alongside authors, and we help them edit, design, and print their book. It's, it's, um, you, and, and we, you don't have to kind of figure all of it out. It's like a gen, where you're hiring a general contractor to build your book. You're the, it's your house, you're building it, but we're helping you do it. And that's the, you, so people used to be like, thanks for your ministry. I was like, it's a business. <laughs> but then I realized that it really is a ministry and we're helping a lot of people send these little missionaries out. 
So um, we do have a, a handful of partners that we work with consistently. Awaken Nashville, Edify, Paul Winkler, who's a business person, Lion's Share, Fresh Expressions, Renew, ExponentialDiscipleship.org. So we've, we have these strategic partners. Um, the company, the brand of our company, so Harrington Interactive Media is our company. The brand is called You Publish. And our website is youpublish.com. You can kind of learn all about that. But I wanted to really inspire you to do this. So in our last few minutes here, I want to just leave it open for Q&A. How involved are the authors in the book design process? Um, we So my philosophy on, I call it surrogate publishing. It's like we're helping, is I like to match the author's level of care. So if if an author comes and is like, I want to give input. Can I sketch something? Can I get a few versions? It's like, let's talk about it. I mean, you can kind of be in the, as involved as you want, especially if you're artistic. So, yes. I mean, we've even worked with, so for A New Heart, one of the books that we've done, they actually created the whole brand. And then we used that and iterated it in their whole book. So, really, but then it's like some books have no design, just typesetting. And then there's in between, like with Renew, we do a lot of books where we'll do like pretty, I call it medium design, where it'll have like nice graphic elements. Yeah, so his question was, how long should the workbook be? And the the book book. Do full color graphics add a lot to the expense? So um, I, I would say it adds some to the design services, but it doubles your printing costs. So if you do color versus black and white, it's two times as much. And then if you do hardback versus paperback, it also doubles your cost. So you can, if you do a color hardback, it's four times as much money to print it. And you make very little money. (laughs) Does our company help with marketing? Currently we don't, but we do have 13 books we've traditionally published. So we've done 170 books for other authors. So we know about marketing, and so that's part of what helps us develop the product and packaging of a book, is thinking about the market. But um, I'm open to, <laughs> this is, kind of, I hope it didn't come across the wrong I'm trying to really focus on what we're good at, and, and we've got good systems, in, in con- but the answer is we don't currently do that, no. But I, there are some like publicists and, and marketers that I can connect you with. What app do we use, or uh, yeah, program do we use to typeset InDesign? Over the last, I think it's around 15 years, InDesign has now become the industry standard. It used to be another program, but we use InDesign. I just want to end by encouraging you, um, take that message that you have a burden for and publish it. I don't think you'll regret it. If you know the value, the different types of value it can offer, Know what, why you're publishing it, if it needs to sell 100,000 copies or 100 copies. And once you kind of figure that out, then, then write it. Thanks again for joining in to the Real Life Theology podcast today. Make sure to join back on Thursday. We're going to have a new track session for you then. 